0: This week Ian and I are talking about the use of the Pareto's analysis, which is the 80-20 rule in e-commerce. Lots of areas to work out where you should be working, where you should be putting your time for the best benefit. So let's get started. Hello, Ian. How are you? Good afternoon. I'm good. Good for you. I'm all right. Yeah, not so bad. Just uh, another day in the world of e-commerce. And um, uh, well, today we're going to talk about the Pareto rule of e-commerce, which is like the 80-20 rule of e-commerce and how that applies. Um, But I mean, I just wanted to talk about the market really a little bit. Like a lot of people have seen it being quite soft in January and it usually is. It's usually kind of a bit soft in January, isn't it? A bit soft at the end of January and then at the start of February. Well, we're, we're personally not seeing I mean, that generally, that we're, we're still selling quite nicely, yeah. to be honest, on the demo stores. Well, most most most
1: businesses have said to me that they've done... The start of January has been quite strong. The mm. um, first two weeks are good. And then you normally find the third week is a bit naff. And, and that's because people have run out of money. And... Um, and then, and then it starts
0: to pick up again when they get
1: paid at the end of Jan. And it's,
0: that did, seems. To I be haven't what seen happened, that. I, I, I've just seen. I, I've just seen the Kind of like the the marketing we've been doing has been affecting the market rather than the other way around Has been the way it's been yeah. happening. So, like you know, the, the emails have been sending. They've still been converting. Still allowing the, the recruitment robust to be where it needs to be. Um, but you know, like traditionally, I would always as a media buyer in February, I'd be like going, oh God, just let February end. Um, but it has changed a little bit. A lot of the people we work January. with- have been bringing this. No, no, February. Well, February was always okay. my, my month of hate. right? Because you'd been through the January sales, which kind of made you look okay for February. Mm. And then February- was You're waiting kind of like... for something to happen. Well, there's nothing to hang your hat on a- in February. And so a lot of the people we were working with and or partnering with at the time, they started bringing the spring sales and the spring collections further forward. And that seemed to kind of work well, actually, because it gave someone something, something to buy in February. And then when people were buying better in spring anyway, they still bought as well. So it kind of yeah. worked. You just kind of need to, you just got to kind of build yourself a bridge for February. To well, that's a bit it. like,
1: I think that, that's a bit like in, in the Christmas sales. Like, you know, when was you, when's your last cutoff for, for ordering for delivering in Christmas? And, and let's say it was like 21st of December, we well, might as well go into sale on the twenty second of December. Don't wait until January the third. You might as well, you might have well to do it straight away. You've got nothing mm. to lose because you, you you know you cut off Christmas is gone. It's, it's just thinking logically.
0: Yeah, you just don't want to catch yourself catch yourself in the middle of a in the middle of a river without a boat when you can build yourself a boat. So you know if if you can what? build yourself a boat. Well, what I mean what? is like, well, <laughs> like <laughs> like in February, right? Like one customer I'm thinking about, big customer, always had a dreadful February, and then one year they went, well, let's just bring the spring sale early. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: And so therefore they oh, built a boat. I yeah.
1: just—it's interesting how you connected that to a, to building a boat.
0: Well, like yeah. you're sitting in the middle, you're <laughs> drowning in the middle of the river, and you go, well, I, I could see, I could, I could, oh, I could bring I myself a boat yeah. if I need if I needed okay. to. Don't suffer needlessly when you can do something about it. Build a saying. boat. Yeah, so that's the. Yeah. Is that the podcast over? No, you <laughs> are supposed to be talking about Pareto analysis.
1: You did? So, well, you drifted
0: off? Yeah. Well, here we go. A a market so, update. So Pareto analysis, and this is something I use a lot. So the, the the analysis, the analogy of twenty percent of something usually accounts for eighty percent of the thing. So um, in e-commerce, um, I'm just finding our list. So, like for example, like take take Google Shopping like 80% of the impressions that you get that, that get shown the products that get shown comes from 20% of the products. Sometimes it's even more skewed. Sometimes it's like 10% of the products drive 80% of the impressions. So you start to see this across all of e-commerce and it really is the answer to the question is like, I'm doing so many things. There's so many things I could be doing in the business. You know, what should I be f- focusing on first? And the business isn't linear. Like if you've got 8,000 products, all those eight thousand products are not as important to the anti-basket rate, your click-through rate, your profitability, as as the other ones. And so, therefore, you know, if you're looking for the lever within the lever, you would work on the the most important products first. So, I mean, the the idea for this podcast came from a, a recent um, you did a deep dive with with someone over in the America, wasn't it, Ian? Yeah. And he yeah. was not saying, it, "What do I do? Where do I start?" Yeah. That was so the, basically. You know,
1: like like in all things, it's in e-commerce particularly because there's so many things you can do. It's about get it getting the biggest bang for, for book for your time. So, like, what you know, it's not only in this case. It wasn't only what to do, but it was what to what to do it on. And what I mean by that is they had something like I think they had about five thousand, five 000 or six thousand products. So it's a big site you know big store loads of categories i mean probably you know 100 150 categories of collections um and thousands and thousands of products and i think for probably the last 24 months they've they've sort of been procrastinating is a polite word but thinking well what wh- how, how the how do we optimize 5000 products and 150 categories where on earth do we start mm. and because it was such a big daunting task to even think about it they just sort of had not done it and and when you start to look at okay actually let's break down you know if we were going to do anything where would we start you know and the sort of things that we were looking at was was not just not just the products that were selling well but it was looking at things like a lot of people in that site used the search. I think it was eleven percent of of, uh, of the visitors were using the search. Now that's quite big. So the average search usage tends to be about five percent. So this was eleven percent. So it's like, well, that's quite significant. And then when you looked at the search, you look at the what you look at the the eighty percent of the of the people that were using the search were searching for the same thing. So it's like, look mm. at the top. Look at the top searches and. So rather than thinking I'm gonna I'm gonna tackle my entire search system, it's like well I'm gonna I'm gonna look at the things people are searching for commonly. I'm gonna do my top twenty, my top mm. twenty things. I'm gonna look at those. I'm gonna where are they going? Where are they landing? You know, should I be taking this search result to a category a collection page, or should it be a? Should I create a, a custom category that is just for this search result? And like so that's that's like quite obvious. Can, you can go and tackle that straight away. Um, And the same thing with his, with his, with his categories, his collection pages, you know, there were, there were certain very dominant collections that were appearing in the top, uh, top pages that were, that people were clicking on. And so it's like, well, you're not going to, you're not going to look at, you know, 200 collections. It's like, let's look at, let's look at the top, the top ones. And, you know, because the top ones, the top, the top ones were accounting for the masses and majority. And it's the same thing with, with the products. And it's like, you know, same thing, you know, the products. I mean, I tell you what, I'll just go back to categories because on the categories, it is like often the categories that people were clicking on, you know, you look at the bounce rates and you think, well, if they're landing on these categories, you know, they should be bouncing less than, we normally say. not you know, about 45%, you know. And so it's looking at the ones that are bouncing really highly and focusing on those. And often it's like it's the order of products on the collection page. What, so I was,
0: with it. what I thought was interesting about that site, so lots of products, was that using the search on those main category pages and saying, well, you know, 20% of people are searching for this. And I think that twenty if 20% of people are searching for that and it's a high search term, you're probably going to get 80% of people who actually want that but haven't searched for it. So there's, it's like a tip of the iceberg. So if you kind of see, like, say you're on a page selling wellington like green wellies and 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 lots of people on the green wellies page are searching for hunter wellies for example and you get you know quite a few searches searching for that on that on that particular page then it probably means that there's probably a large amount of people like the 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 iceberg underneath the water is a much bigger of the people actually looking for hunter wellies so you can use the searches on each page to give you an idea of what you should allow people to link to really easily without them having to think of the, the well, search it, themselves. I think, I think you're, you're right. The other way
1: of using it too is sometimes you're unsure of what the, the, the nav should be. You mm-hmm. know, what should your nav be in the categories? And that actually came up because they had so many categories. Like, well, what should we put? And it's like, well, let's look at what people are searching for. And you then have an idea of the the, the ones that are coming up first and then that helps you understand what the main nav should be.
0: I and think sometimes um, that search is like if someone's actually searching into the on-site search, it's almost like people giving up with the navigation. Can't find it. I and can't, can't, and then, and, it, then yeah. and, and stuff. So the, for, the, for the percentage of people that give up and then search, there'll be a percentage of people that give up and leave. They just don't bother at all. Well, interestingly,
1: this particular site had a bounce rate on the home page of 36.2%. Yeah. So that's way too high. Roughly thirty six point two percent, or yeah, roughly thirty six point two four percent. I have. I like to rem- I cannot remember anyone's name, but I can remember the bounce rate of people's homepages that I looked at twelve years ago. Yeah, um,
0: I've got. A, I've got and... a subroutine that runs as soon as someone offers me their hand and a handshake. Immediately go and forget the name. It's like a, it's like a subroutine yeah. that just runs. Your name's
1: yeah.
0: blah blah blah. blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so anyway.
1: Thirty-six yeah, thirty-six percent bouncer on the homepage. And and but a lot of people using the search. So yeah, obviously the idea is, is if you know if you look at what people are searching for and you look at what where pe- what pages people go to next, this is and the base by by the way, the, everything we're saying here is in Google Analytics. It's free. You don't need any hot jar to look no. at where people are going next. It's in there. You look at you look at the, the biggest pages, look at all pages in the content, and look at navigational summary, which is another tab in GA I'm sure there's a podcast that we've talked about this and you can see where people go. But, but I think in a way, I think the overall philosophy before we go into the weeds too much was that there's a business here that was doing about $3 million a year, wants to get to 10 and there are so many holes in their product pages, collection pages, um, uh, and their google shopping and their recruitment product there were so many holes but they just and they knew what they were but they didn't know where to start mm. and it, and as i say it kind of was
0: like rabbit in the headlights like what the hell do i do so, and, so by opportunity isn't it too many opportunities to improve sales yeah so not too not, many opportunities
1: and so mm. you know and so so you know obviously and actually the, the, we happen to say that the most important pages on this site were the product pages and the reason we said that is because um, the, it was a google shopping business a lot of traffic traffic was coming and the way the market was it was on it was mobile and it was google shopping mm. and that's where the opportunity to steal market share was so straight away say okay let's forget the collection pages let's forget the home page even Let's focus on the product pages, and then we start to say, "Well, where's going to have the big?" Because it, because it was quite a complicated product. Um, you know, we've got we've got the photography was poor, the the size guides were poor, the descriptions were poor, the spec was poor, the the, the they had no reviews, they had no elevator pitch, the copy was poor, it was the upsells was poor, like there was so much missing that was obvious. The returns policy, the guarantee, and. It was knowing well, where to go, and I think the first thing was was what I mean. You, and you, this was what you talked about. You said, well, you know, in Google Shopping, what products have a high impression share but a very low click? So which products are like appearing in the Google Google Shopping, getting the impressions but no one's clicking? And the other one was what products had a high click through in Google Shopping but a low ROAS? Like yeah. what, you know where what were there? But ultimately, the the third one is really is just what products are selling more like what are the best selling products and the and the reason why we picked that one probably is the overall trump card to focus on is because go with the flow of the river and Mm -hmm. you tend to find that if people are naturally buying these products you net you tend to find you get you can get more out of those so what i mean by that is rather than focusing on a product that no one's buying You focus on the product that they're already buying and make it better, and you too tend to find that you have a better, a better change. And so, you know, it just in this particular one, like there was, you know, we looked at the competitors and we're like, well, the the, their their product imagery was better, their trust and credibility was better, they had better video content, they had better uh, customer testimonials, they had better specs, they had they had like a sizing information so you could see how big the product was you could see exactly what to do with it care instructions loads of social proof loads of content and they figured out like it but there's no way they could take all of those things and do it across five thousand products it would just it it it, it just couldn't do it now i have to say there are there are certain things that that we've said you could apply across the entire website, like all the product page could have the positioning statement at the top, the overall service, trust and credibility, the returns policy needs to be moved in the right place. Like there's lots of, there's lots of things that you can add generically that will help. But ultimately when it comes down to, in this particular case, it was quite um, a methodical problem solving product. that was a bit more complicated. It needed to be explained. They have to focus on the on the on the products that you're gonna get the biggest bang for the buck. Hmm. And in, in, fundamentally it's like we have a lack of time in e-commerce. There's so many things to do. You've got to make sure that you're gonna focus on the things that are gonna move the needle. You're gonna be really
0: restrictive. Can't do it all. Yeah, I'm just going back to yeah. what you were talking about with the, the Google Ads stuff, is that yeah. I actually wrote a script. So I get a report from Google ads every week from my Google shopping, and it tells me, and it fills out the past 30 days. Each week I I look at the past 30 days, the top products that had impressions, but low clicks. So that's the first thing I look at, because I'm like, well, what's getting high impressions, but not not getting clicked through rate. So can I improve the images on those ones? Can I improve the titles on those ones so I can actually get the clicks? Because obviously Google's got a huge inventory for those products, we're just not getting the clicks for some reason. So there's potential there because I'm putting myself in the race. I'm starting the race with loads of other people and I'm in the right place. I'm just not getting seen enough. And then the second thing I look at is high spending products that have had low ROAS. So they're the products that are getting seen, getting clicked on, but not actually giving me the ROAS I want. So they're gonna be responsible for pulling down my overall ROAS, which is going to affect how I can scale on spend. So those two are ones that I'm looking at, because if if the lower, if the ROAS is low on the product, then either I need to improve the offer on the product, improve the convincibility of those products. Um, and it's all about really focusing my time. So like I've got 3,000 products in this account. Um, I'm only looking at 20 products on one sheet and 20 products on the other sheet. And hopefully over time, As I improve them, I'm just focusing on the most important ones over and over. Now, you you do get some products that you can't ever seem to kind of change because, like, for example, you might get a product that's coming up for loads of high impressions for a very generic search query. There's not much you can do about that, but then at least you've improved it to the best of your ability, and then you're moving on to the next one. So it's all about kind of optimizing that Mm -hmm. 80-20 rule of of, of the front end. And what I'd say is, as well,
1: is it's not just a one-off exercise that you need to do because, like we're talking here about, you know, look at look at look at the look at the biggest bang for your buck of time. It, it's also it's a it's a philosophy that you need to have continually in your e-commerce business. So those are, those of you may or may not know, we, Mark and I came up with something called the flying. And actually, was, we haven't spoken about this, Mark, but we came up with something called the flying bridge. Yeah. methodology the yeah. hammersley Fine bridge and it's basically um in and e- it, 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 it's a little it's a framework we've written and it's it's we did it for our own ecom business but it basically says this is what you should look at in an e-commerce business daily weekly monthly quarterly and biannually and mm-hmm. most importantly is it says what not to look at daily weekly mm-hmm. monthly so mm-hmm. i.e Look at these things. Don't look at these things because you can't look at everything all the time. Because that's also part of the problem. Is you look at everything and you're like, I've got to look at all this data." And we see that loads. We had a chat tonight with um, with with the you know some of the guys on the implementation program. And it was funny because one one of the one of the guys he loves his data, but he's like addicted to it. And he's like, "Oh God, I can't can't he's like I don't I don't want to look at any more stats. I can't." And so. Like if you can have a philosophy um, to know when to look at these things. So and you get your team. So, you know, you'd have a little report and simply, you know, we would we were written in Google Analytics, for example, you know, every Monday for the last seven days. It would tell us it would send us a little report. This is free, by the way. It's easy to do in Google Analytics. You can set a little triggered PDF that looks at the last seven days, and it takes the top twenty search terms with the highest um, exit uh, percentages, mm. and that then sends it through. You don't look at it any other time. You go, I'm going to just look at it here, and the same thing. You could do that with your your top twenty products that are selling, or your, or your biggest categories. I.e., in that flying bridge method of managing ecom businesses. It tells you when you should be doing it because it isn't something that you can you can do all the time, and it also it shouldn't be something you do as a one off and then never look at it again. It should be something that you're continually bringing your attention back to, and not and your team. You know, so so we originally wrote the Flying Bridge method for it was a big, massive e-com brand that was doing, I think they're doing about two hundred million. And then what they had, they had a team of people in that ecom business, and they had what we call category champions. So they had somebody looking after this category, somebody looking after this category, and they wanted to make sure that the, the people that were looking after each category
0: were
1: were following a consistent framework to know what to do when and, and what you know where were they were going to get the biggest bang for the buck. And it also it also helps you understand with the roadmap too. Mm. You know, like, what, you know, whether or not something needs to change in the roadmap. But, but it, it's like, a, it's, and it is actually part of the cornerstone of everything that we've talked about. Because obviously, a lot of the time in e-commerce, we've talked about cutting through the BS of all the nonsense out there. You know, what's actually going to move the needle? And one of the things, I tell you what, something that comes up quite a lot, and I'm not saying it's bad, but I'm saying it's something that can get distracting, is this conversation about speed. Mm. on the website and thinking that that's going to be the be-all and end-all, that, that, that all of a sudden if I take my website speed page load from, from three seconds to 2.7 seconds, it's going to result in an increased conversion rate. Mm. And often it never does. The time, the time when I find speed is an issue is if um, you've got a site that is too slow and when I say it's too slow, maybe it's loading at like five seconds plus, like maybe a little bit higher. That's going to be an issue. And the other time I find it being an issue is if you've got people adding a lot of things to the basket, like, you know, 10, mm. 10 things, they're adding 10 different things. So they're navigating all over the website, adding lots of things. When it's, when it's slow, slower, then it becomes really frustrating. And you know how we know this, you know, how we know this clients know <laughs> <laughs> no yeah that too that too but no it's when you look at the reviews if you look yeah. at reviews the bad reviews the negative reviews of econ businesses where they have a high number of items per order and bearing in mind the average number of items per order in a normal e-commerce website is 1.5 so when you've got more than that three four things per basket you start to see people complaining about website speed mm. in the negative
0: reviews. Particularly on and that post purchase. The post purchase survey is really good, is to put on there, isn't it? Right on yeah. the order thank you page and say, like, Did you have any troubles today? And it just flushes them out. It's like I'd have added more if this website wasn't so bloody slow. Yeah, and and,
1: and they start to complain about navigational flow. I couldn't find my products and, and I and I added stuff to the basket and it emptied the basket and oh God. And you, and, and you also find the good reviews, they often often saying, oh, well, the website was really amazing, it was really easy to use, dead quick. Mm. And whereas if, you've got, if people are adding one thing to the basket and checking out on average, they don't really talk about the website itself. They talk about the whole experience, the customer service, the delivery, the product quality. And I'm not saying those things don't matter, but I'm just saying it's something that as, as an e-commerce owner, or professional working in the industry you can be very obsessed with speed of the website hmm. and think that that's go, going to move the needle
0: and often particularly if you've not because also got a fundamental like com, you know scale up scaling in commerce business in the first place you know if you've not got the yeah offer, exactly
1: a, 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 it's a bit like i'll give you an analogy because you're good at analogies and i'm going to get one in before you steal it but it's a bit like having a um, you know, a, a wonderful online jewelry store. Imagine if this was, a, you know, a, a physical bricks and mortar store. It's a bit like having, you know, having that right, and then putting a self-service checkout, like a Tesco, you know, checkout in your store, thinking that that's going to make it revolutionized. People are going to buy more jewelry because there's a fast, mm. there's a fast self-service checkout. Like obviously, that you you know, you'd know
0: that that wouldn't affect. Yeah the revenue can like, actually be you know, like an estate a agent difference. like an estate you go into a state agent say buy your house at a booth you're like hang on a minute
1: yeah it's not gonna help it isn't because you know yeah. you, you've got to, you've got to focus on the trust the credibility the desirability reducing anxiety making sure the frictions massive trust and credibility offer architecture reason why they're all the things that matter like no one is gonna magically buy because your website's faster mm. just think just think about it logically and, and unless you're in one of those scenarios, so I mean that's slightly drifting off a tangent, but it's good to talk about.
0: Yeah. Um, so let's bring it back because I was just going to say that one of the good places to also use the pre-to analysis is on the customers because sometimes you find that you know 20% of customers drive 80% of the sales or 80% of the profitability over time, and depending yeah. on the skew. Now it, that's not happening with the demo store yet, I and mean, we've only been going since March. I mean, I did the pre-to analysis and it's, it found that 50% of the customers were driving. 80 percent of the sales which is still quite you know like half the customers are driving 80 percent which means that the other 50 percent are only driving 20 percent of the sales there's obviously a disconnect between those two even even now Mm. um so who do i want to focus on i want to focus on that 50 percent who's driving 80 percent not the 50 percent who's driving 20 percent and so and i think one of the one of the ways
1: of practically doing this and this is easy to say but slightly harder to do in practical reality but often and in fact it came up tonight in one of the the workshops we talked about lifetime customer value today and we said how lifetime customer value you know is obviously can be the a massive massive powerful lever to pull which allows you to really grow the business because it allows you to spend more more aggressively on your recruitment because it's now profitable but but lifetime customer value you can often find that the, the products that people buy or the categories they buy from on the first purchase can massively skew the lifetime customer value. Mm. So what I mean by that, you might find that so take the take the demo store. You know, we might find that people who buy the really expensive luxury um, sheets that are more expensive than you know eight hundred Egyptian cotton. We might find their lifetime customer value is 3 times higher than the people that come on and buy a cheap single sheet like a you know 300 thread count. Yeah. And and we don't know that yet, but we but we look at the data might go, you know what? Oh my god, everybody's buying white 800 Egyptian cotton and the and the ones that come back and buy three times a year buy these products first. Guess what we're going to do? on the recruitment. We're going to massively push those products on Google shopping and give them a really low aggressive ROAS because we know we've got the lifetime customer value. Mm. You know, it makes sense. We're going to reduce the ones. So that that's another, you know, another, another way of, of
0: mining it, isn't it? Of understanding. Yeah. Another story that we talked about this morning was a customer who found that he'd got two sites of customers. He'd got the, the bigger customers, and then he got the smaller customers and the smaller customers would just you know take the piss and would always buy the small amounts and stuff but the bigger customers if he could segment those off then he could put them in a vip program and give them incentives which which they wouldn't abuse and they would actually go and buy more yeah and what he found i think it was a it was a uh, husband and wife team actually they found that that there was a high correlation between the people that upgraded to next day delivery and the big sellers so the big buyers, sorry, and the people that didn't were the, were, were more likely to be the, the the smaller customers. And so therefore he could link that, segment those people up and say, if you upgrade to um, next day delivery, then we'll give you this, this, and this. And so that became his VIP program, because he could see that there's 20% of his customers were driving 80% of the sales. So therefore he started to look for correlations between what those people did. And then he says, when they, when they do these things, we can give them these extra things that we wouldn't give to the other people because these customers are worth so much more to us over time. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, like they, they be, Yeah, like they, they behaved. They, they behaved well. Yeah.
1: You know, you got more out of them. I mean, that's bad. And I think I think the other thing too is, is look at, is look at what types of customers tend to spend more. I mean, really, a good customer will normally show themselves with a decent average order value right off the bat and they'll often come back so you know you know we might find that okay take take the demo store you know we've we have found that there are certain customers that are like ordering like the average order value is say like a hundred dollars and we might find that there's some orders that are coming through of um of products that you know, like a thousand dollars, you're like, who the hell is this? Mm-hmm. And then they come back again, and it's like, well,
0: it's definitely well, been. They must own a suite orders of BNBs, or yeah. orders yeah. over five hundred pounds, or five hundred dollars, and those are the ones that clearly they're different to the other people. And and I find this across all the commerce businesses that is that if the first time order is big, that customer would tend to be a bigger customer. You can see it across everything. It's just, I think in their mind, A, A, probably they've got the money to spend. Uh, B, in their mind, they see you as someone who um, does the job to be done on a bigger job and therefore they can give you that money uh, for the other things. Whereas if they've just come and bought a pair of socks from you and you try and sell them a suit, it's too much of a a jump. Whereas if if they see you as their suit supplier, it's very easy to get them to buy a jacket or a, a, another pair of trousers or those kind of things. So you, you could segment people on the first sale. If you see, well, if people spend more than this on the first sale, they're much, they're much better customer for us. Therefore, we could give them a slightly better re- uh, retention offer than we would give the other people. And therefore, that could mm. be, you know, like 80% of the pro- a profit could come from those 20% of the customers. And if you, you know, yeah. w- what do you want to do? You don't want to incentivize the 80% of the customers that drive 20% of the profit, do you? Well, I think I think basically
1: we're saying is that you want to try and find out who these twenty percent of customers that are contributing eighty percent of their revenue, because who you know what patterns exist? Who are they? What are they buying on the first visits? What's the average order value? You know, are there are there are there key categories they're buying from? And obviously, if you double those, you for you know you, for very little effort, you know, you if you double the twenty percent, you've obviously got a massive massive increase of um, of growth. Whereas if you double the 80% of customers that are only contributing 20%, you've only got, you know, 40% growth for like so
0: much more effort. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. generally, isn't it? But and you think, think about it. I think... Prito, sorry. I was just going to say, within the Pareto analysis, you often find that something like 5% of the customers drive 50% of the revenue yeah. or something like that. So you're starting to get into those weeds. And if you think about those, there's five percent, and you doubled that five percent, you you you're kind of getting an extra fifty percent revenue, aren't you? I and mean, it's such a powerful yeah. switch within the business. Whereas if you you know if you look at the five percent of customers that drive like naught point naught naught percent of them, you're just not going to get anything from that. So it's yeah. really understanding the Pareto analysis that has such power, power on everything you're looking Did, at. I I I
1: think coming back to I think the most powerful message here right is actually when it comes to you know improving your site and your you know your actual you know product offering and and trying to improve your photography and your you you know the whole you know whole information you put in the product page is it's just just get stuck in and get going and don't try and make it absolutely perfect across your 5,000 products just get in there with your big hitters and focus on on those ones first and work down, work backwards, hmm. you know, from your biggest hitters down, and because there's a there's a, a funnily enough, I'm reading, I'm reading the um, the chimp paradox book at the moment, and I, I, I don't, I, I, I heard it on a podcast the the day, and it and it it said, he said, there's the chimp brain, you know, if you're trying to if you're trying to trying to declutter your garage, you, you know, the chimp brain looks at the garage and he goes, oh God, well, this is, this is overwhelming. I can't possibly sort this garage out. It's just full of crap. Uh, I'm not going to start. I'm not going to do it. It's too much. Can't do it. Whereas the human brain would go, you know what? I'll just start. I'll just do, the, I'll do the big bits and I'll start. And then I'm, and, and I'll get the main bits done. Then I feel like it's the same thing here. It's like, you know, don't procrastinate over this. Don't overthink it. Just go, I'm going to look tomorrow. I'm going to look at my 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 search result. I'm going to look at what people are searching for, my top 20 search terms that people are using. It's in Google Analytics. You can see it. And go and do the search yourself in your e-commerce and go, Christ, when people search for green rugs, I'm taking them to rugs that aren't green And it's bloody random nothingness. It's like a ridiculous search term. Like -hmm. the results are pathetic. So I'm gonna I'm gonna create a a a new category for green rugs, and I'm gonna do a
0: redirect to take them straight to that one. Done. You know, get stuck in. There's actually um, there's actually. I mean, you you're bringing two kind of powerful techniques together there. So you've got Kaizen, which is the, the Japanese method of taking a small step to change uh, to make lasting change, which is K-A-I-Z-I-N. And so it's a book by Robert M- Mora, M-A-U-R-E-E-R, which I read a long time yeah. ago. And so um, by tackling you know, the garage, you're overwhelmed by the garage and you start with a very small portion of it and you do a negotiating in your head. So, well, I'm not doing the whole thing. I'm just going to do that tiny bit of that bench. And so the idea is in, e- in e-commerce, taking the, those two analogies to it, is first of all, you do a small change, but you do, in a, you do a small change in an area using the pre analysis that has the most leverage in the business. So that you're always making the small changes, but within the parts of the business that are going to have the biggest effect, you know, so take the garage analysis, you'd look at, well, what's the, what's the thing that I walk in the garage? It makes me feel like it's most unmessy, messy most messy. you go, oh, it's the, it's the, um, it's the beetle that I've had since I was 16 years old that's still collapsed in the corner of the garage. And you say, okay, what is it about the beetle that makes me unhappy? Oh, it's the fact that I haven't welded the, the boot. You know, you know, you kind of then you say, well, I'm just gonna go weld the boot. And it's kind of just, it's, it's, it's focusing on the, the biggest area, but the small step in the biggest area. And you're putting those two things together and you end up with a much better way of living and a much easier way of, of, mm. of moving forward with everything it's true yeah. it is it is it is definitely it is definitely true. i talk about it's the getting beetle getting because ian had a beetle at 16 years old which i did i did I, you I, have you still fit have you finished it yet at 43 yeah i finished
1: it, it got mot got taxed yeah. um it's a great success <laughs> after 11 years of restoring it driving it back from the mot <laughs> station the engine blew up and
0: um that yes. was the end
1: and i'd that be able to the end. car
0: for over over a period of eight years and drove it once uh, and then sold it. You got so, very anxious about it. Let's, ooh, yeah. yeah, it wasn't... Um, you still can't really
1: think it still about can't me, quite. The, the test that you, you had to take.
0: I had to go through what the SBA it? test the three SBA times. SBA
1: test, yeah, you didn't like yeah. that. You yeah. were out of your comfort zone.
0: certainly so was, breaking down in the middle of a roundabout in Derby in rush hour in an open-top sports car that didn't work and uh, having to be pushed. And I was like, what do we do now? Anyway, I digress. So like, do analysis. Let's just kind of have a a list of what we were to talk about. So like 80% of the pressions come from 20% of the products. 80% of the sales come from 20% of the products. Uh, 20% of the uh, profit can come, sorry, 80% of the profit come from uh, 20% of the customers. 20% of the searches on the account can can, kind of attribute to 80% of the searches that people don't make. 20% 20% of the categories can drive 80% of the revenue. There's all sorts of preto analysis you can do in your, your e-commerce business that's really going yeah, to focus.
1: And to be honest,
0: to, yeah, I'll just say, if
1: it's not exactly the 80-20, it obviously doesn't matter. But mm. we're saying there is going to be a bunch of stuff that is having a much bigger effect. So if you focus on these, you're going to get a
0: much bigger bang for your time, Yeah, which is, what and, should, and which th- is key. I just wanted to make say something about startup e-commerce because some people listen to this who haven't got started and a lot of the things is kind of like analysis of the big ones. But if I haven't got started, you know, started, like still in Google ads shopping or on the landing page, I'm looking at the pages that are getting the most landing pages. And if I haven't got sales yet, I'm looking at, you know, which ones are getting the most add to basket rates. And if I'm not getting ad to basket rates, I'm looking at click through rates on my ads. So I'm mm. kind of really focusing on, well, which ones are getting impressions? How can I get more of those prescience? How can I get the click through rate on those products? Okay, now, now they're landing on those product pages, how can, and they're, they're not enough of them are actually scrolling actually, down. Actually, can right I say one thing? Say one
1: thing, yeah? actually, because there's a little tip there that you've just reminded me of something. Because quite often people say, what should my product photography be like? Mm. And we often say, well, go into, go into the, your market, go on to Google Shopping, Look at who's dominating your category, what images are they using, mm-hmm. and often they'll be the right ones in terms of are they shot together in a bundle on a set forward shot, flat shot, hero yeah. shot, mannequin shot, on location shot. You're looking et cetera, for,
0: et particularly in Google Shopping, you're looking for the short basketball player, or you know, you know what I mean? Like, say, so you're looking for what? <laughs> so in Google Shopping, what I'm looking for, I'm not looking for the, the people like the the Sears and the, you know, the big department stores that you'd expect to be there. Okay. I'm looking for the, it. the underdogs that are appearing, right. punching above their weight that shouldn't be there. So, like in basketball, the short basketball player, what's his training? How did he get well, there? Well, okay. He shouldn't be there. Put it there.
1: another way. What we're saying is we often don't look at the big, massive Goliaths. Yeah. So let's say John Lewis launched a new range of um, you know outdoor furniture. We don't mm. really care what they're doing other than yes. maybe it's got some indications of trend and what's happening but in terms like they they you know they can get away with anything because they're John Lewis. We're looking at the at the people that are that have grown from nothing a brand from 0 to 10 million in 2 years we're looking at them. Yeah. Like, how did they do it? What photography have they used in Google Shopping? And the idea just with Google, with that is that, it, you know, if Google Shop is picking it up, it, it tends to be, the ROAS tends to be pretty good. And, of course, we know, folks on ROAS, you win the race. Looking for the
0: Ultimately, short basketball player. I'm trying to think of this, other analysis analyses. On, it's on almost analyses as good other, as your boat
1: one at the start.
0: The one-legged footballer. That's what you're looking for.
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, you haven't seen many of those, though, really,
1: Yes, you? You've gone down. 90, well, it's a very famous, it's a right. very famous yeah.
0: advert by uh, John Carlton, yeah, it's the writer. I mean, it's golf. It's a one-legged golfer, isn't it? And so everybody goes, oh, it's a one-legged golfer. He must be good. If he can hit it 250 yards, I can.
1: I, do, do ignore what my brother's saying right now because it, it doesn't mean much. Basically,
0: look at My analogies at produ- are why look people come to the what- podcast. They are good.
1: But they are good. But these are not good. Because they're confusing. <laughs> Basically, look at what images the leading people that are dominating Google Shopping in your market are using and yeah. take that as your inspiration and give those to your photographer yeah. as, as a
0: guide. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Ian. And we have recorded yeah. this as a video and I managed not to look at your face all the way through it because it put, puts me off. So I've had it yeah. on another screen. So you could have been doing anything whilst I was doing the podcast. Yeah. I covered um, your face too. Yeah. That's we nice, don't like it. to look at each other because we find it's distracting to look at his yeah. in my brother's face. Now I'm looking at your face. It's off-putting. I know, it's So on that, on that note, we okay. should finish. We should finish. Cheerio. See you next time.